0: Welcome back to another episode of The Junction. Y'all, this episode I'm super pumped for. We actually have a guest. Justin Crawford from The Automation Company is joining us today. He's the founder and CEO. Uh, Justin reached out to me on LinkedIn and uh, said he kind of liked what we were doing here. And we said, well, why don't you come join us on the podcast? You have a lot of experience in this department. So um, I really just kind of want to jump into it. Chase, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Justin, give us the... Uh, the background: Where would you come from? How would you get to be in this in this space? Um, what should our audience know about you before we jump into talking about specific use cases around AI and automation?
1: Cool, cool. Happy to happy to be here. Also, uh, but originally from California, grew up in, in in Texas. Made my way back to Southern California. I uh, went to school at Pepperdine, and when I graduated, I just knew I was going to be a marketing mogul. Fast forward three months. Uh, I was unpacking and packing trade show booth for a company no longer in business, but uh, uh, it was really weren't,
0: weren't we all though? I mean, that's yeah. how m- most of my early marketing days were seminars, right? Oh man, yeah, we were in our Salesforce. You'll appreciate this, uh, Justin. We were in our Salesforce um, environment the other day, and we were updating our lead sources, and there were these categories for seminar internal, seminar external, and I said, first off, when's the last time you? What have we ever gotten a lead from a quote unquote seminar? seminar.
1: <laughs> you aren't be they careful. called
0: Aren't they called <laughs> we're, webinars? We're
2: gonna get emails from people, and they'll be like, "Oh, I used to do seminars all the time."
0: I think that's probably more of a, a word that's used in like education or like you know, like yeah. I can see like a professor oh, totally. being like, "I give a seminar on this," yeah. but I don't know. So I just gotta say, I I feel you on that one. Lots of trade shows, and you're getting and you're like, this doesn't feel, you know, like you said, packing, unpacking trade show is. Totally get that. So,
1: yeah, no, surprisingly, like 30, 40% are just like big parties. So, I, I, there's there's worst case scenarios, but yeah, <laughs> some of those trade offs actually ended up being pretty fun. Cool, so, I wouldn't trade it. But um, the, the good thing about that role is I actually got the opportunity to get exposed. You know, we're talking 10, 12 years ago, right? So, uh, I got the opportunity to get exposed to Salesforce at the time. The company was uh, setting up Salesforce and and coupling with Eloqua. So I got a chance to get exposed to those tools. So in a sense, I've really been doing marketing automation since the start, um, but was kind of accidentally thrown into it, if you will. Um, but from there, um, left that role, started working at a pretty major 3PL that was just in the process of acquiring dozens of companies and inheriting their tech stack. So was able to peek behind the scenes of like Marketo and Eloqua and Acto and, and Acton, so on and so forth. So just realized, I, I kind of like this and it doesn't seem like a lot of people are talking about it, especially not how they are today. It wasn't such a hot topic. Uh, fast forward, realized that there was a gap. So I wanted to start consulting uh, people were moving around um, that specific industry. Uh, so that's where I really started out in the transportation management industry. But when the work or the request started to outgrow me, I started to become known as like the automation guy. Hey, this guy helped us stand up, HubSpot a the role company. i met a new company. I know someone who could do that because, It was foreign language back then, right? So um, anyway, when the work started to outgrow me, I wanted to start building a team that could support those different functions. And kind of that's where we are today, just able to do it at a much larger scale and at a much more rapid pace and just love it. AI just really changed it up completely. So it's really exciting to see where it's come in the last 10, 12 years.
0: I, I can tell you from my little experience kind of first getting into like the, when you would hear Marketo, right? To me at the time, 10 years ago, it was like, what does it do? It sends emails for you, kind of like scheduling, right? And there's like some automation and we can do some drip email stuff. But we weren't talking about the whole life cycle of a customer. It was just kind of these like one-off campaigns, even as of five years ago um, or three years ago, actually uh, working for a company, we really weren't, we didn't have connected systems that helped us kind of connect all the dots around, well, how you know, how did that impact something later on in the the sales cycle, if if at all? Um, So I think that it's really interesting, like when you say people weren't talking about it the way they are today. Now it's like we have this, all these tools that like HubSpot that have wraparound capabilities. And it's really, really changed uh, the way that we talk about Marketing and um, really, they're getting into what service and sales yeah. and all these other aspects of business.
2: I really like the way you described it, Justin. It's like I didn't know a whole lot. I started to learn more, got more involved, got more, more and more involved. Learned it to the point where I couldn't do it all by myself anymore. Right, and you're kind of perfecting this this whole idea along the way, and then you are now roping in AI basically to scale right to some extent what you're doing and i think that's what we're all, we always everybody's been trying to do right you just have been doing it with more people it sounds like now with ai with all the things that are going on there's more opportunity to not necessarily do it with more people but to do it with ai to help you scale further justin where do you see that coming into play with what you're doing now well one it is kind of
1: being a marketing professional that's my origin It's so good to not have to explain that we do more than just like coloring things in and social media posts now you know we there's the tech side to it that's exciting so it's i feel like it gives us a bit more credibility but uh with ai i mean it really the best way i can describe it is it really levels the playing field um for us it touches all functions of our business so i mean relatively speaking we're a pretty small agency right but we're now able to have access to, I'll say, let's let's use like marketing as an example. Within our marketing, we're now able to have access to industry expertise, if you will, that we wouldn't have. So we're able to put out content um, that really bridges the gap. So one, I'll give an, a specific example. One issue or a challenge for us before was how do we close this knowledge gap between our marketing team and our service team? Service team We're specialists, right? They know HubSpot like the back of their hand. How do I communicate to marketing so they can now promote or put out thought leadership without just by just knowing enough to be dangerous, if you will? Now with AI, right? Simply outlining unique needs, what I'm trying to accomplish. Now say it in a tenth grade level and help someone who's never understood it understand it for the first time. It's now able to kind of build out that full fledged documentation for our marketing team, if you will, and they can repurpose it and kind of have access to knowledge that they wouldn't have had. We no longer have to do an hour deep dive knowledge transfer. Um, so I, I think that's, that's really where, and, and I can use that example really for all the departments. I'll use another one for our sales team. Previously, we would do a demo and after the demo, we had to have a deep dive. You know, no matter how good the prospect was, it was just protocol you had to send your proposal. Um, well, now what happens is, is because we're transcribing those conversations, Our service team is just able to get a nice, clean summary of those major pain points, those unique needs. And in addition to them now having the information they need without actually having to be on every proposal call or discovery call, they're also able to use AI to put together that proposal. And it's touching all the unique needs that were mentioned on the call. So instead of a generic kind of cookie cutter proposal, each one we send out is very unique and specific and tailored to the things that you mentioned were your major pain points and the challenges you wanted to solve on the call. So just a couple examples of how AI is kind of used as essentially another member of the team.
2: Yeah, I love I love that thought. Going I want to come back to the statement of work that you're talking about, but I love the thought that everybody's on the kind of on the same level playing field, right? Like everybody has the same access to some extent, right? Generically speaking to all of this AI stuff. Right. And everybody can build out and this is your opportunity to seize it. But then I really like your thought of like, well, I don't know as much as you guys do about marketing. I can go in and ask questions right in the chat bot deal to ask like the really dumb questions. Like, you know, what does CTA stand for? <laughs> Cause Mel would be like, oh my gosh, I work with this guy. Um, I do, I think I know what that stands for, but, um, you know like it gives that person that um ability to ask questions that they probably wouldn't have otherwise asked and they would just pretend like they know um i really love that thought i want to dig into what you're doing on building out the the statement of works like walk us through that process because i from what i've heard people were doing like different levels of that we're doing some level of that like do you have the actual step-by-step here are the things we're going to do. Are you writing user stories? I don't know, break it down for us for, I don't know, for the audience, right? To understand what that looks like.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. So it obviously starts with that discovery. It's it's, it's crucial to really dig in and just what are you wanting to solve, but also reading in between the lines, right? The client won't always know what exactly it is. They think they know what they need. In many cases, they may know exactly what they need, but they also are looking for that kind of advice, advisory on can you point us in the right direction based on what we think our needs are? And from that discovery, again, it's it's getting that information to the service team so they can really scope it out. What does this look like if we're going to build it out? Um, and I would say our proposals are, are pretty hyper-personalized in that we really want to touch on specifically the problems you're wanting to solve. So in addition to layering out each of the, hey, here are the major objectives, we also include a description that, kind of gives away the the, the recipe, if you will. And, and, I, and I'm happy to do that because I want the problem to get solved, whether it's with us or you're solving it on your own. So we essentially say exactly what we would do to solve the problem in our, in our SOWs, right? So it's, we, uh, and one thing I really like to do, and if you guys haven't done it, I would recommend trying it is when you're leveraging the chat TPTs of the world, um, ask it for justifications. Like here's the problem, but justify why, This route is the right way to go. And then even provide an example of how it could be used and and the effect on the bottom line. And I think we've seen a much better response rate when our proposals kind of have that overkill in there. It just gives that level of confidence that not only do we understand, and this is a big one, not only do we understand your problem and we're telling you exactly how we're going to fix it. It allows them to be the champion because as you guys probably know, there's several decision makers, right? It can be. And it helps them go back to the team as a champion and say, look, I found a solution and I know exactly how we're going to solve it. Here's the breakdown right here. So it's it closes up some of the ambiguity that you'll often get if it's like, optimize your workflows. What are you gonna do in there? Like, are you gonna break something? So what does that mean? Yeah, what yeah. does that even look like? <laughs> yeah.
0: So you're you're including the justification in the SOW itself?
1: Yep, we do. The justification mm-hmm. um and it.
0: What tools are you using you mentioned chat gpt's of the world but uh, what tools tool or tools are you using to build some of this capability out sure yeah so we try to
1: consolidate as much as we can so obviously we really like to leverage hubspot like every nook and cranny of it so um, that is what we use even for our building in a lot of cases Uh, but i would also say one thing that and i i I foresee a very strong integration coming uh, but Process modeling is another tool we use. Uh, Lucidchart is kind of an, an example of one, but that visual really helps. Even in the early phases of still communicating a project, that's one thing that I felt like we were missing out on is we can explain it to a blue in the face, but can you explain it to me in a way I can go take this to somebody who isn't as familiar, intimately familiar with HubSpot. And with Lucidchart, I mean, we can essentially have you know AI platform I use ChatGPT and I have another example here in a second, but we can use ChatGPT now to build the flow for us, build this flow for me in a process modeling tool. Um, And it's going to lay it out in a way, step-by-step, that's going to help convey the process. And I know that's possible to do before, but it would have taken a lot longer. And I noticed that a lot of time, AI just gives you food for thought. Like even if you would have had the bones there, it's going to give you an idea like, oh, I didn't think about that, right? Just to help enhance that process And the other thing, just kind of like a separate side note, which is important because we do kind of deal with global companies as well, is just a translation, right? So a tool like Notion, we found to be really helpful in helping to visualize those translations for marketing teams. One example is you're creating an email in English, but for the approval process, they need to see it in three different languages. Well, Notion's a really nice way to lay it out visually so you can see the three emails side by side. So for compliance to review it, they're now reviewing them all in one place. But then also for the developer, he's not having to jump around. He or she isn't having to jump around. It's just all in one place for them. And it's visually appeasing so in that you're seeing the full translation, you know, right in front of you with the images and whatnot. So I think it just helps from a process improvement standpoint as well.
2: We've been using Blueprints ever from the beginning where you die. I have been diagramming out manually, right, what you're describing I'm have to check out the the tool that you're talking about, but you're actually describing something that we've been reading in a book, the the JOLT effect. I don't know if you've read it yet, but one of the L like the JOLT is an acronym for what you're supposed to do in the sales cycle. The L is to limit the the knowledge expiration, right? Or like, well, that sounds great, Justin, but let me go check out this other solution. I love that idea of like the AI is providing justification, right? And giving you that story that you can either use to convince yourself, right? Or your peers that, Hey, this is the solution. We don't need to go find anything else because that's what really lacks. And and I'll be frank in a lot of our proposals is why like, well, yeah, it works and it's, it's good, but why, you know, why should we do it? So I really love that thought. Um, curious to know, while you're building this out, like is the SOW just printed for you and you guys go in and like kind of modify it here and there? Or is it more of like a collaborative effort where I write something, AI write something, I write something back and forth.
1: Like what's the approach on that? I think we've really gotten it down to a science where it's, it's pretty one-to-one in that we can, we've found a way to really map out, hey, here's the conversation, here are these main pain points that we're trying to capture. Of course, as we're building out SOWs, we're also building out a product library, if you will. Uh, There's times where you're just repurposing a solution that you may have prescribed before, but obviously it needs to be unique, but you still have the bones from that previous uh, project. And for us, it's, it's mapping out, hey, here's the problem, here's the need, and, and the beauty of it if you guys also haven't done this is you can kind of create a profile for with, with your AI tool. Several of them have this feature where like, who are you? Like what is the, the So it knows our previous proposals, It knows how we like the proposals to be laid out. Now we're really to a point where as long as we kind of stick to that same format, our proposals are going to be pretty consistent. It knows it needs to provide justifications. It knows to provide examples. It knows to provide as much detail as possible. but remember, we need to say it in 10th to 11th grade level because I want them to actually be able to digest it. Uh, but I'd say it's one-to-one. It's usually, of course, you have to maybe make some refinements. It's not going to be perfect, but it's one servicer usually just needs to review it. And and we're pretty confident to the point where we're kind of confident in sending it off.
0: How much time has that saved you? Like, have you quantified that from what it used to take to put together that SOW?
1: I don't have much hair left but I think it, it, it saved me hair in addition to time <laughs> so uh, a lot more gray is coming in right now if I didn't I yeah.
0: love that we, <laughs> we we haven't been measuring any of our or benchmarking any of our time savings on AI to gray or non-existent hair
1: That's <laughs> yeah, to hang on to what I got That's fantastic <laughs> Yeah Yeah no, I mean I mean that's I think it's a great call out it's people ask all the time how do I know the that ROI of a good just AI, how do I measure it in ROI? And I think, you know, time, efficiency, and just processes, right? And, and that's really like the holy trinity of, of it for me. It's time, the time saving has been, I, I can't even quantify it because we're able to do it. So we can get it done within an hour now, which I mean, it would take days before. And it, we would, in the part where I, it, I felt it really hurt us is, as you guys can imagine, with, how accessible data is now clients are a lot more empowered to go look at other alternatives. And where we were falling short is we were having these demo meetings, but taking three to four days to get back with the proposal. The interest level just wasn't the same as when we had them on that discovery call we're talking about all these points. It's you kind of lose some of the, the oomph when, it, when it's a week later and you're getting back to yeah, let's that go. call. So yeah, get, get it now. It's next get it going, day. right? Yeah. Get the SW
2: out the door. Cause they'll, they would sign it like right now, but then you have a three or four day delay where that level of doubt, fear, right? Am I making the right decision? Oh, they've thanks. slept on it. They've, they've slept <laughs> on <laughs> it, right? <laughs> like, I'm curious and like have, and talking about quantification, we, we actually really don't do a lot of that. In fact, I think beyond calculating the ROI, it's probably even more difficult to calculate the scalability, right? Of, well, now I did this thing, now I can do it in an hour, which means I can do 10,000 more SOWs than I would have before, right? Um, Anyway, I'm curious if like the way that you're doing it now has increased your win rate. Like, have you kept track of, we did it old way, human hand, right? And now we're doing it new way with AI. Do you see your win rate going up? Like what other metrics are you tracking now that you're doing it maybe in a totally different way?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. One one thing that jumps out right away that we do notice is, I think you were kind of alluding to it before, is just the sample size is so much bigger now. We're able to send out so many more SOWs, and if we make a tweak, that that second kind of revised version can come so much faster. Uh, so definitely, I would attribute it to two things, though. What I've noticed, just kind of to be the one who actually used to have to create the SOW, which you know, don't bring me back to that, please. <laughs> So the hyper-personalization of it, how personalized they're going to be, that and how fast we're able to turn them around, we've seen just overall a a better conversion rate. Um, Not only yes to the customer signing the project proposal, but a lot of times what we're getting now is we usually start with an audit and we've we've had it, we always keep that in our back pocket for those people who are like, I don't really know what I want, but I know we need to optimize That's actually has been what has been converting a lot better because our audits are able to be a lot more um, specific to the client's needs. So typically what we'll start with is an audit. And what we do is when we perform our audit, if you decide to go with the automation company, you can put those audit hours towards the initial project. So there are variables that have changed now that we do have access to AI. So, yes, our conversion rate is up. But... We're also enabled to do things and offer, provide offerings that we wouldn't have been able to. I would have been a lot more hesitant in the past to provide an audit to get started, right? Because those can be pretty involved, pretty manual. Well, now what we need to do is just kind of scan the platform, put those findings into a prompt, and then we can have a full audit documentation built out, which is also a value add because we're now providing a tangible, almost you know, 20, 30 page guide that's breaking down your entire platform based on these you know, 30 bullet points. Our servicer had to just kind of go through there and notate these bullet points. You know how our audit, we, our tool knows how our audit wants to be. It's going to build out a full-fledged audit let us know where to enter in screenshots. And if they decide to go with us, we can put that towards a project plan. If not, we still provided them a tangible audit and, and in a way still provided some value and, and essentially closed one a deal, even though it was just for a, a project audit.
2: When you describe the audit, are you connecting your internal platform that everybody is buying to the to HubSpot, right? Or to Salesforce to run a bunch of queries. And then you've got 10,000 contacts, you've sent 300 emails. Like, are you doing that level of assessment and then generating an automatic, like, output from AI and the data?
1: Yep, that's right. Yep, we use a tool called InCycle. It will connect your HubSpot platform, click of one button, free. It's going to scan your entire platform the beauty of it is if you say okay we have 60k duplicates you want to move forward with us that same tool can also just click one button and it's going to merge all those duplicates it's going to standardize all the information so yes we're connecting it so again huge time saver i remember having to go through every kind of configuration inside your platform oh this is wrong this could be wrong i don't have the backstory now run it through a scan take the scan findings put that into an audit the, the manual piece is maybe adding in some of the screenshots to give it that level of personalization. But, you know, adding in 20 screenshots is a lot better than having to build out a full 20 page document. So.
2: Oh, totally. hundred percent. We're kind of transitioning into what you do for the clients. Like where do you see a lot of the asks? Like are folks coming to you guys and saying, Hey, love this chat GPT stuff. I don't know what it means, but I want to use it. And we have these types of problems. Do you see a lot of that? Or are you guys more so going to folks with kind of this productized, hey, we can really do this thing for you?
1: As it relates to AI, I think it's usually us bringing it to the table uh, for clients. Um, A big need for our clients and where we start to leverage it. So I'd say where we have had clients bring it to us, it's usually when we're dealing with the sales function. They're wanting to be able to prospect better, personalize better. So one, if you guys are familiar with kind of chat spot, that's the, the thing HubSpot's been toying with and helping you just kind of summarize the company really quickly to get that snapshot. Uh, but I think when you take it a step further, when you're able to kind of, here are all the properties I have for a contact, develop a super personalized three email series coming from a BDR goal of scheduling a meeting. And what you're able to do now is, Really have a very personal, as you guys can imagine, and it's actually what I think is is going to be the next major shift that we see is just hyper personalization with messaging. Um, But that's kind of what we're experimenting with now with a client is, hey, gather these data points in a way, right? We already have all of our properties in HubSpot and we have them labeled correctly. Drop this in and now craft up a personalized three email sequence for me. Um, for this particular contact, and it, especially when you're doing target like target accounts and account based marketing, um, it really it just helps you be able to turn out those messages a lot faster. And batch and blast is kind of those days are slowly going away. Even if it is batch and blast, there's still so many ways to personalize those messages, and and I think the proof, the proof is in the pudding. Even if you imagine yourselves, right, you're more inclined to respond to a message when it seems like it was genuine and kind of written by an individual versus like, hey, I can get you a $10,000 in 10 minutes, right? Those are just kind of more generic messages you may see. So, yeah, it's definitely helped from a sales function side.
0: I definitely think uh, if you're leading with, maybe if you're leading your sales conversations with we have AI or we can do this, we have some sort of like, you're talking about more of a feature, but what people are coming to you with and us is with business problems. Like they want to do this thing better. I want to have more personalized outreach. I want to do, uh, have better marketing attribution and understand that. And then you as the consultant can say, well, let's take a look at what you have today. Do you have any automation built into your existing tech stack? Um, and that might mean that the first tactic is deploying some of that automation and oh, by the way, there's this AI thing that we can layer on top of it. But I think if, um, companies are leading with, um, you know, we have AI, like that's not enough. We need to demonstrate like the, what is the challenge that we're solving? And if it happens to be utilizing AI and it gets you a five X ROI on it, great. But I don't, you know, I've, I've had some, Um, seen a lot of SaaS companies coming out with this AI we've got AI like okay but but what we did it (laughs) what are it it didn't replace the fact that I still need you to articulate what problem you're solving or how you're making me enabling me to do my job better faster so yeah
2: I actually saw something I think it's artisan.ai artisan.co I don't remember the exact website but Founded it on Reddit. I'm sure it was a marketing post of sorts, but they had talked about how they had just raised 1.5 million in the seed round uh, on 15 million valuation, and they haven't they hadn't launched anything. Which I don't know. Depending on where you are in that space, maybe that's you know not a big deal, or maybe it is. But what they were drive what they're driving toward is this idea of an agent. So we've talked about agents before on on in previous podcasts for the audience. Like an agent is like, well, I want Mel bot. To come in and do my marketing for me right and you now you're kind of talking to the bot to which then goes in the background and does all these things and then kind of reports on it well the first thing that they're doing is Justin is the same thing that you're talking about right is you're chatting with this marketing BDR type bot right hey I want to target this industry um, and I'm going to focus on selling these things it will then go find the people that it needs to email. It'll write the sequences. It will, and then book meetings for you. And you, I think the intent, right, is that you don't really, you only kind of see the results. Like you're not really involved in like, yeah, I would change this word to da, 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 da. Like it's doing it all on its own. Justin, it sounds like that's kind of the direction that it's going. Do you kind of feel the same way or is this, this platform going to crash and burn?
1: Well, I, I think it, Depending, I I need to see the first few conversations, (laughs) uh, to make a decision, but I will say that's that concept of what you're describing. We've seen success using it short of AI in that we were automating, right? We have kind of some of the predefined prompts limiting what people can respond. I think if they're able to open that up to where it's just an open kind of text and it, it has the knowledge to be able to respond in a way that represents the company's tone, um, I think it, it could be very successful because we've seen success in kind of doing that same thing with SDRs, but just like, like I said, with a predefined kind of conversation. And then it allows the SDRs and the AEs to just focus on the engaged kind of warmed prospects versus all the cold, cold outreach. So I, I definitely think it could be something that could work. And a common misconception too is, as you were saying, I could just see some of our clients and maybe some of the, the specialists that are more in the weeds for our clients thinking like, well, this is going to replace me. And that's a huge common misconception in that it actually, it's like putting on an Iron Man suit, right? It just helps you do what you do better. Um, you can still generate more results. And just to kind of take a step back, when we talk about like the main problem we're seeing, and if somebody can solve this, AI, they're really going to be golden. But what most of our clients are really looking for is, is attribution. I mean, they really want to know how can I show my worth as, how can marketing show its worth, especially to get more budget? Sales the same thing. (laughs) Breach. It's that battle of like, wait, no, I sourced this lead. No, well, this lead came from a a webinar, you know, so it's that ongoing back and forth. That's
2: never happened here.
1: (laughs) Hey, like last week. (laughs) Like last week. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's one that's going to happen this week, but, you know, I just, that's the common, that's the most common thing we deal with attribution. And we do leverage automation to. Kind of give the confidence in where things are sourcing from that influence and attribution. But if you know if AI is eventually able to really concretely define a proper lead source, I think I think that's something that would really be a great solve for a lot of companies.
2: It reminds me of the multi—it's new functionality in HubSpot. Y'all might beat me to it. The multi-revenue, multi-touch, multi-touch. multi-touch. attribution. Yeah. yeah, that thing, right? It's like the idea that. Well, it's not just one potentially, right? It might be multiple because they came to the conference last year, Justin had a phone call with them and then Mel sent them an email, right? So it's that balance of, well, it's not just one place, but it's multiple.
0: It's the things that I did for years in spreadsheets, right? And you're looking at (laughs) all the different touches and you're, you're trying to show, well, we, you know, got in front of this person 28 times before they you know, raise their hand or we close the sale. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. and then being able to automate that or bring it into a technology platform that at least you've got it in one spot, but then um, surface it in a timely manner and in a way that the team trusts and doesn't go, no, I think they came from this other source. I mean, that's just like, that's a gut shot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like we we all did our part and it's not about like, Well, this is a like marketing did this thing at the end of the day, even though, even if it came through an organic web search, our sales team had to crush it, you know, before it actually got closed one. So it's, it's a one team effort all around, but absolutely that, uh, that resonates with me, Justin, what you're saying about the attribution stuff for sure.
2: Justin, where else do you see? people asking for things or you guys are seeing some success in utilizing AI?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we actually, uh, so another kind of another note on that one is we actually have a webinar coming up just around event attribution, because that's been another common one. Um, just how do I attribute the success of an event? Cause events, they're still around, right? And even if, whether it's virtual or in-person, I think that's something people are still struggling to grasp, the success of an event, what really, it, uh, what's the ROI from that event? So I just wanted to throw that out there too as we talk about attribution. That's a very hot topic for us. Um, in terms of AI, I think some other benefits I see is really documentation. I'd say it's the two things that are value-adds the agencies should maybe consider leveraging AI more for is documentation is one. I mean, documentation, documentation, documentation if you can over-document, I say over-document because it's probably more than the majority of us did before AI, but if you can really document out everything that you're doing, what I've seen is it really puts our clients at ease with having the confidence to take on these new initiatives. I would notice before we make recommendations and and they'd be really thorough, we talk about it, everyone's excited, but they kind of fall to the wayside. Um, It's because they weren't clearly documented in a way that the company can kind of take uh, because the the biggest pitfall to any optimization, any processes is like not training the team on it. I would liken it to giving a toddler the keys to a Lambo, right? It's you can build out this great automation, but if the team isn't trained on how to use it, you're going to have this really expensive platform, but you're not really getting the most out of it. So leverage AI to you speak to the unique needs and uh, tailor it to the, the business model of the client you're dealing with or your own internal business. But document, document, document everything. And then even if it's something that, hey, we may refer back to this, we may not. It's a huge value add for the client. Um, I think alternatively, another thing we have leveraged AI for is compliance. Uh, we work in some heavily regulated industries, and they really need to be compliant in terms of their emails, in terms of their messaging so that's another thing you can actually leverage AI for is having it scan communications. Is this spam compliant? Is this CCPA compliant? Uh, and it'll actually call out red flags and help you just. And even if it's something that's not on your client's radar, putting it on the radar does add value for them. And it may be something that you help get on their radar if it was never there. So I'd say those are two. And then the low hanging fruit, obviously, is we all know is content and SEO optimization, right? You can run a full site through AI and say, hey, this is the keyword I want to focus on tailor this content to focus on that particular key phrase. So that's like another area of opportunity we've really leveraged AI for is just enhancing content in SEO.
0: I love that you bring up documentation from the customer facing side of things. We've had a ton of conversation internally recently around docu- using it to document our processes. We actually did an episode recently on the days of companies keeping their uh, internal process and like a three ring binder, you know, like printing, <laughs> at least I remember, I remember those days. <laughs> and by the time you get that thing printed, hole punched and on the shelf, it's already changed. Um, obviously that's, yeah, that's a long, long time ago. But the fact that like, there are things that we do, especially growing scaling companies, if there's even just at its simplest form, if you know, if it's su- up in someone's head. You can get a a Zoom transcript or something of this is how the process process works and run that through and at least have some way like that's one step. But then you start to actually like automate some of these things and then it learns off of it and it adapts to your process changes. That's huge. And what we're working on right now is trying to bring multiple data sources together on our own AI chatbot so that employees can basically query from one user interface, but it's pulling from Salesforce and the intranet and HubSpot based on their levels of access, right? So they don't want to ask the boss how many days of vacation they get or what are the company holidays because they should have known that because they learned that in onboarding but they forgot where the link is to the internet to access the policy. Yeah. <laughs> now they just open up the chat bot and say how many days of vacation do I have and then on the back end we're hoping to at some point again with the right level of access give insight to managers or you know some kind of director level folks around What types of questions are people even asking and how can we surface that information earlier in the process um, or make it more accessible to employees if those, those are things that they should know.
2: Right. Yeah. That's great. Justin, I'm going to put on my audience hat here for a second. And I'd love for you to explain what you were talking about. Like I'm five. I, well, probably because I don't understand it. Um, But I imagine that the audience is like, well, that documentation sounds great I hate, love documentation. It's so great. Um right, but what does that look like like in in five-year-old terms or 10-year-old terms? Like first you have a meeting where you talk about the process. Then you take the transcript, right? And you pump it into AI and then the the AI does the documentation. Like walk us through what that looks like cuz I imagine most of the people that listen to this are going to be like Hey, that sounds wonderful. You know, I'm going to call Justin up and have him do it for me. But some people are going to be like, well, I want to do that myself, but I don't even know where to begin. What does that look like?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, step one is build your document library. And the reason I say that is because as we talk about solving problems for clients, right, it's probably more likely than not that you're going to come across similar problems more, you know, more often than not. And what that documentation helps, it helps you ensure that you're delivering in a consistent way. So I'll give one example, lead scoring, right? That's something you're all familiar with lead scoring. Um, how do you show how interested someone is in your, in, in your brand? Well, if we, we use documentation to kind of build out a lead scoring table, again, show the justifications of why it's important. Well, as that example, when you come across another client that needs lead scoring, Um, you have that foundation to work from and all you're doing is tweaking it to their particular needs. And what it looks like from a client perspective is now you have a shared, we've shared drives, right? So you have a shared drive where your client can access all of these documentation that really one in a way outlines, wow, the automation company has done this much for us Um, because it's, it's, and and the other justification is like, Hey, we want you guys to know this. We want to empower you. We don't want to be So hooked into your business that you need to call us to change everything. Our ultimate goal is we want to train you to be able to be better. And I think step one of any good automation strategy is identifying those bottlenecks and training, right? So it's one, we have to identify what are the bottlenecks. Let's automate those processes, but we need to document it so that we don't revert back to doing it the way we were before. Um, But then secondly, again, it's a value add. I'm the client. I now have a full document library of all the things we're proposing. I'm just going to feel a lot more confident. And and as the agency that's developing that documentation, it's as simple as detailing out what you're going to do. What is your recommended solution? Lay that out. And again, it can be shorthand. It doesn't need to be paragraph form. Lay it out and just deliver that prompt and ask for a document in a form of a documentation that an enterprise client would expect. You know, this needs to leave no room for question. And personally, when I use AI tools, I give it those kind of prompts just to just to kind of explore the different ways. And um, I've noticed that, again, we're a smaller agency just in the term of our language and the way our documentation is laid out. It feels much more enterprise now, which would give me confidence in the agency that I'm working with, that they really do this all the time. Right. And even if it's your first time, maybe coming up with it, you have the solution. But How do you articulate it in a way that gives the client confidence that, hey, we have already thought about all these hiccups along the way here, are the common challenges. And that's where AI comes to play is because it's adapting in real time. Right. So simply do what you were going to do, but lay it out in a way and then provide it to AI and just layer in anything else you think that would be valuable here. Um, and that's essentially what you're what you're getting with, with your document library. And, and the major takeaway for you as an agency is you now have this repository of documentation, you know, wiki, if you will, uh, but you can always refer back to it. And, and Mel, I love what you were describing in that. I would find it great when I was kind of thinking of it as you described it for our service team, right? They come across these common questions around, you know, attribution, life cycle stages. It would be great if they could just kind of type it into a prompt and just here are a huge FAQ document, bring up everything that has life cycle stages and they can kind of find the right answer in real time that way. Um, so I think that's just another benefit of documentation. It's uh, just being able to detail out what exactly you could potentially do for a client. And it just goes back to confidence again. You want to just give the client confidence you know exactly what you're doing.
2: That's a great... Um takeaway, a nugget here that I think with a lot of what people are doing is mostly chatbot-related. Right? Like I haven't figured out how to do the API stuff yet, but I'm still typing in prompts. One thing you hit on that you kind of maybe glazed over a little bit but I think is really key is this idea that you can pre-prompt it. Right, like I can take the template, highlight it all, copy it, paste it, and depending on what chatbot you're doing, some call, call it system context, you could just hey, here's the template. Here's the the things that I picked up in my meeting, right? Fill out the template that you pasted in with that, with a, the additional data that you think goes in here. And then it will fill out the template, right? Right.
0: So I would. And I love, it's such a like simple, I can't believe that like we hadn't talked about it. Maybe you're doing this, but Justin's uh, recommendation around leave no room for questions, mm. justify this. Yeah. I haven't done that in any of the um, stuff I've been doing. Yeah. So I love that. That's a huge takeaway for me. Big light bulb moment.
2: <laughs> what you're talking about sounds really enticing. Like I imagine that whoever listens to this is probably going to look you up. Curious to, you know, tell us about your company, the services that you offer. How can I get in touch with you how do I get in touch with people that can sell me what you guys are doing? Tell us all about that. Cause I'm actually kind of interested in myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me personally, uh, my, my, not on Instagram, not on TikTok or anything. I, I think I still got some moves, but uh, LinkedIn is kind of where I live. So, you know, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always happy to have the conversation. I, I truly love it. I, I really, I love talking about it all day. Uh, so this was great to just, just get to talk about it and nerd out a little bit. So thank you guys for that too. But, uh the automation company. Our, our website is automationco.com. We put out a lot of thought leadership uh, around automation, specifically around the different functions of RevOps, marketing, sales, and service. Um, at our core, we're a HubSpot shop, but we do quite a bit with Salesforce. We really strongly believe in both of those platforms, but in a sense, we're platform agnostic in that you know if it's a problem, we're happy to solve it, integrate into your, embed into your, your flow, your process. The automation company who we are and what we do is we help companies simply put streamline their marketing sales and service and then optimize and automate those processes. So um, whether you're a company that's a million in revenue to a billion in revenue, we like to look at automating your rev ops like Wi-Fi. You don't need to be a a Fortune 500 to need good internet connection. So um, again, it's leveling the playing field, it's putting your marketing sales and service on steroids, the legal kind but um it's it's I, I say that because it's it's almost an unfair playing field when you have a company using automation versus a company that's not and they're both trying to scale automation is just it's it's that iron man suit for you so we help you you know just get equipped to really be able to compete at, at the best at the best of your abilities
2: i love it Oh, wow. uh i do too i'm gonna call you up and see how you know what we can do together um yeah but i love i love that thought of like this is a level playing field, right? But you need to take advantage of the tools and the platforms, right? And that automation, because if you don't, you're you're probably already getting behind. And at some point it's going to be too late. I think we talk about that.
0: Yeah. We've it's talked time about to it a skill couple of
2: times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Awesome. Well, Justin, thank you. Thank you so much for reaching out. This has been an awesome conversation. We've learned a lot. We're going to keep this going offline. Um, otherwise, Y'all get in touch with Justin. Like you said, connect with him on LinkedIn, Justin Crawford, the automation company. Go to their website. We'll uh, drop some information in the episode show notes as well. But thank you so much for your time, Justin. Really look forward to um, continuing the conversation offline. And in the meantime, keep it automated.